This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. Let's make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hoffman, and I am calling to you on the phone. Brian, you're on the other end, right? Yes, sir. Yes, I am. I'm calling because I, uh, I, I've been in a whirlwind this week. I was just in Los Angeles for the world premiere of Star Trek Discovery at the Cinerama Dome in, the, in Hollywood, California, and just flew back, and it's just kind of nuts. And what's exciting is they showed us the first two episodes with all the fans and all the stars there. And then this morning, Brian saw the first three episodes in New York. For, for You get to meet fancy celebrities, and I get to see an extra episode. So yeah, I, I'll got, call that even. You know more than I do at this <laughs> point. Um, but you know what? This is a bonus episode today, tonight, wherever you are. Uh, we're not talking at all about the content of the program just yet. Because, um, you know, when you're marketing a Star Trek show, it's like walking on eggshells that are on top of needles that are <laughs> hovering over a tightly wound beam across, uh, across two skyscrapers. It's got to be done in a very particular way. So we would really be annihilated uh, by marketing people if we spoke about the content of the show today on this episode. Luckily, in just 48 hours... The first two episodes are going to be viewable by the general public. And when that happens, we're going to launch a sort of a hazy, buzzy recap that my friend Adam Drozen and I recorded moments after the premiere in L.A. We went to a bar uh, right there in Hollywood, uh, like a block from the Arc, uh, the Arc Light Theater, which is where the Cinerama Dome is. So that's tomorrow. But today is something very exciting. Brian. Yes. Um, uh, I was at the what well, wasn't a blue it wasn't a red carpet it was a blue carpet which is very appropriate yeah because that's kind of like the the colors of the uniform just sort of the overall highlights of the deck of the Shenzhou which is the ship I, 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 I don't know what I'm allowed to say there's CBS papers everywhere I think we we could say that they've said that everywhere yeah the Shenzhou <laughs> and things look blue and. Uh, Lieutenant Saru's eyes are very blue. They are. <laughs> and I got to talk to the real Lieutenant Saru, Doug Jones, and a number of other people. So I want to let you know what the deal was like on the red carpet, and then you're going to hear. Um, I listened to some of the audio back, and it sounds, if I may say so, the microphone I was using is kind of just on the voice. You can't hear that there were shrieks and screams around me at all times. You can kind of <laughs> hear it a little bit. But you got to trust me when I say it was chaos on there. It was it was chaos. It was right on the avenue. There were fans. There were paparazzi. There were big lights. So um, you know, it was wild. It was great for how many TV shows get a premiere like that, Brian? Not very many, right? No, not that, not many that I know of. And this is also an excuse for why I was a little bit disorganized. So I was there by myself. I had photographers all around me. I had, uh, you know, people from, uh, you know, big, you know, uh, the big networks were there, video interviewers, uh, big websites, and little old me with my podcasting equipment, and um, I... <laughs> Maybe someday I they'll pay to send me out there, too. Yeah, yeah, they got to send you out there next time. So, like, I, I have this device, it's a good device, but, like, I hit the buttons wrong sometimes, <laughs> and um, what you got to do is you got to hit the button twice. It's a device called a Zoom. Who makes the Zoom? Um, 
I know say, this. Like Philips or Siemens or, or Panasonic or whoever makes the Zoom, they're a bunch of idiots. Because what you got to do is you hit the button, and then in your headphones you hear it sounds like it's recording, but you have to hit it a second time. So as a result, a lot of the beginnings of these little short red carpet interviews, excuse me, blue carpet interviews, are cut off. Now, the beginnings are mostly just pleasantries anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But as a result, when we string these together, what you're going to hear, Brian, is like more like a collage. It's like a, um, a collage of voices where no one introduces <laughs> themselves, and it's just like a swirl of conversation about discovery. Um, so, you know, I'm going to tell you in a minute, like, the, the rundown of who I spoke to. But, like, if you didn't know that, it would just be like, here's voice A, here's voice B. I'll tell you that it was actually... You know, Alex Kurtzman, one of the, the producer, one of the producers, and then Akiva Goldsman, one of the writers and producers, and then Shazad Latif, who's one of the actors who does not introduce himself, or he did introduce himself, but I forgot to hit play. Also, I have to apologize to two people. Number one is I spoke to Cadet Tilly, Mar Mary Wiseman. She's very young. She's got curly red hair. She's a lot of fun. And she was nice to talk to. I didn't talk to her for a long time. And this was like a minute and a half before she got whisked away. And I didn't record any of it. So <laughs> Mary, but you know what? I got the impression that Mary, um, who's young, she's a young actress, she was a little bit like, oh, my God, I'm on a red carpet talking to people. And um, she was wonderful. But I'll be honest to you, the listeners of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, we didn't miss anything by not recording it. It was just like, how excited are you to be here? I'm very excited. She's very sweet and very nice. I would love to get her back on the show for real, and we can actually talk like human beings, not with all the screaming and yelling. Brian, does that sound fair to you? I absolutely. It'd be yeah. great to have so, her back, especially since I've seen her. Yeah. It, it was a little. It was a little bananas, and she got. She when I said we were the official Star Trek podcast, she was like, "Oh, cool! I, you know, I definitely want to talk to you guys." So, that's that. The other guy I got to apologize to is um, Jeff Russo. Now I know who Jeff Russo is. He's a composer. He composed the new theme to Star Trek. And he's an Emmy winner. He won for Fargo. And Jeff Russo is no joke. He's, he's got a string of great credits. I'm going to Google his name right now and tell you what else he's done. Are you ready for this? Sure. I Jeff mean, Russo. First, I will say that the, the new theme is great, and we can talk about that because it has been released. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that it sounds dynamite in, in the show itself. I don't want to get into uh, how it works because... Um, I guess I can say this. This is not a spoiler, ladies and gentlemen. I'm stating an obvious fact. There are opening credits to this television show. Yes. Because every single television show on Earth has opening credits, right? Maybe some of Steven Soderbergh's shows don't. They just show the <laughs> title. One of the Nick did, actually. So, anyway, 98.9% of all television shows have an opening credits. The opening credits to Star Trek Discovery are amazing, yes. aren't they? They're Absolutely. So cool. I, I was wondering if you were going to say that or not, but yes, I totally agree. Yeah, I don't want to get into why they're amazing, because that, that would be a spoiler. We've got to wait two whole days. Yeah. But they are so cool, and I think they're the best opening credits to any Star Trek. I really do. Y yeah. Well, I, I'll agree I don't know, with that. Paul Water. I'm remembering now the opening credits to TNG blew me away when I was a little kid. It did, yeah. I mean, if, especially if you compare it to the original series. I mean, just the the leap in um, yeah. technology at the time. All right, you know what? Let's just say this: they're great. Why do we have to compare everything, Brian? Why I don't do know. You started. <laughs> it's it's in our blood. To, it's in our nerd blood to compare <laughs> things. <laughs> it's right. It's in our nerd blood to want to rank things. All right. So Jeff Russo is a composer of, and he won the uh, uh, Emmy. For Fargo, he did the music to um, The Night Of and American Gothic and other shows. But he used to be in a band. He was in a band called Tonic. And, uh, oh, okay. Band I remember them. Called Low Stars. Yeah, Tonic was good. They were involved with, um, weren't they? Oh, no, that was Metric. Metric. I'm getting Metric and Tonic confused. But so he's a dude in a rock band. Like, I'm looking at a picture of him online. He's got a guitar in his hand, and he's got, like, cool hair. So here's the point. I had no idea what Jeff Russo looked like, and just this dude suddenly came over and started talking to me. Jeff Russo's very handsome. You know, he's in a rock band, for Christ's sake. He's a handsome-looking guy. I just thought he was one of the actors. I had no idea who he was until later. So, like, at first, I, like, I refer to him, like, as an actor, and he kind of just rolled with it. 
And then I was standing next to, um, I was kind of tagged, as you'll hear in a minute. I'm sort of making excuses for my embarrassing mistake. <laughs> um, I was tag teaming with um, Star Trek.com, our good friend uh, Ian Spelling, who's been on the show. In, uh, Ian Spelling is like kind of a, a man behind the man. He doesn't like to come out of the shadows much, uh, but he, you've heard his voice on this podcast before uh, at the event we did up in Ticonderoga, New York, and probably elsewhere. Um, Ian is a professional. And he knew who this guy was. <laughs> I'm just a fan who's flipping out that I get to see Star Trek in, in like an hour and a half. So you were the one shrieking, basically. I was shrieking on the inside. <laughs> so like, all I know is this very handsome man comes over me, and I'm like, I don't know who this is. I'm like, he's probably like some ensign or lieutenant or just like some guy who shows up, and, and he's going to be my new favorite. So and he's, and he's like his shirt was like half unbuttoned because he's got rock star jeans. So I'm talking to him like he's an actor. And then halfway through, Ian asks questions about like, so the music cues. and the, I'm like, oh, shit, he's the composer. I'm an idiot. So then uh, it just we sort of segued into talking about the music. And I think it's a decent interview, although short. But now you know, my friends and listeners have engaged the official Star Trek podcast. You have the inside beat. And you can hear me making a fool of myself. I am not ashamed <laughs> I'm not cutting it out. It is what it is. So uh, my apologies to, to Jeff, but take it, um, take it as a compliment that I, I thought you were uh, handsome, enough, handsome enough to be <laughs> on screen. So that's basically it. Now, before we kick it off, though, it sounds funny because we're the official Star Trek podcast, and we're talking about um, Discovery, the new show that we've been kind of you know, enthusiastically talking about for over a year since this podcast started, in addition to celebrating the fandom of the past. So um, in a way, you know, this is all about getting people to, uh, you know, watch the new show. And it's a little different this time because the first episode, as you know, is going to be on regular CBS. And then the second episode and everyone after is going to be on this new thing, All Access. And listen, nobody likes to spend extra money. It's not It's not fun. But you've got to understand that this show would not exist if it was not able to launch a new streaming site, to launch a new style of television. This is the wave of the future. TNG was the first show, really important show, to make syndicated shows work. It was not direct to a specific network. It was syndicated, and it was a hit. And that changed television. And uh, if, if and when this show is a success, I'm sure it will be, uh, it's the canary in the coal mine. You know, ABC, NBC, all the others are going to start doing it this way also. So um, I want to hip you to the fact, and now uh, we go from being, if you want to consider this podcast sort of a shadow advertising in, in, in its entirety, <laughs> now we go directly into hardcore advertising. I want to tell you the following, that um, the most iconic and influential global franchises returns. Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access. All right, so here's the data points, everybody. Listen up. The show's premiere live on September 24th at 8.30, 7.30 Central on CBS, regular CBS, Channel 2 in New York. I don't know what it is by you. And then immediately afterwards, you're going to want to hit All Access, the new site. If you've got the Roku, the Apple TV, any of that other crap, you can do it. You find CBS All Access. You can watch it on your computer. You can use an HDMI cord to stick it into your TV set, whatever you want to do. Watch it on your phone. Watch it on your iPad. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the subscription is $5.99 a month. Um, and in addition to Discovery, you get a lot of other shows. What do you get? Cla and classics, movies. You can also stream. Oh, so listen, if you are a cord cutter, this is something new, Brian. If you're a cord cutter. Which I am. You can get live CBS through CBS All Access. You can. So, that, so that's football. That's the Emmys. That were, if, you could, you know, if you wanted to watch the Emmys a couple of days ago and you couldn't because it was on CBS and you're a cord cutter, this gets you regular CBS as well. So that's kind of cool, actually. So it's 6 bucks, and... You know, nobody wants to spend six bucks. I'm very honest. I'm too honest. I'm probably going to get yelled at for making such an honest <laughs> commercial here. But listen, the last thing I want to do is, is give $6 to a big corporation like CBS. But, you know, it's four hours of Star Trek a month, if four episodes. You go see Star Trek Beyond in any theater, it's 15 bucks. That's two hours. Do the math, people. It's worth it. If you're listening to the show, it's worth it. You it's know, absolutely worth it. Watch it. Do it for a month. If you hate the show, cancel it. You know, but do it for a month, and actually do it for only th uh, three weeks because um, over five weeks, I should say, you get five weeks because the first week is free. When you go to cbs.com/slash/star-trek, cbs.com/slash/star-trek, that is, uh, you get a free first week. Brian, that was my—that was me speaking from the heart. I don't want to lie to my public. <laughs> 
years ago, we never had to pay for Star Trek on TV before, but now we do, and it's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, it's not a spoiler to say I saw the first two episodes, you saw the first three. Uh, we're going to pay. All right, so we're going to kick it over now to the carpet. Um, I do a little intro. I try to set up the scene a little bit for you, and then we're going to go out of sequential order a little bit because I wanted to – we spoke to her toward the end, but the first interview you're going to hear is Sonequa Martin-Green. She's the star of the show. She's first in our hearts. Um, uh, Brian, I know you know we can't talk much, but how great is she in the lead? She's fantastic. absolutely fantastic. She really, really is. She's a major star, and I'm not a Walking Dead fan, so this is the first time I've seen her. She's great. So we talked to Sonequa. Then we speak to Mary Chifo, who plays Laurel, one of the Klingons, and then we speak to Ken Mitchell, who plays... Um, uh, another Klingon, uh, I forget his name, Locke. No, he's not Locke. He's the other one, Kov, I think. And then we speak to Heather Caden. She's one of the producers. Then, I'm not going to say now, uh, I, I, we kind of eavesdrop in a conversation with a very important Star Trek figure. And you'll get to hear, you can probably figure it out who it is, but you get to hear this individual's voice and you get to hear me talk about how close I am to this individual. And then um, Doug Jones. Doug Jones, Lieutenant Saru, then Jeff Russo, which I just embarrassed myself about, uh, Shazad Latif, um, then Alex Kurtzman, the producer, then Akiva Goldsman, another producer, then Glenn Hetrick and Neville Page, who are the uh, designers, makeup, uh, creature effects, um, special effects makeup. I don't intro them, so if you're wondering why two guys are talking about uh, the look of things, that's Glenn Hetrick and Neville Page. Then our old friend Kirsten Beyer, one of the writers, um, and then finally, very briefly, Ted Sullivan, one of the writers and producers. I mean, it's literally a minute, and uh, Ted has, if you follow Ted Sullivan, uh, Carter Hall on Twitter, he's always carrying around Jason Gorn, a little Gorn playmate he's got, and he did bring it, and, and he, he, <laughs> he whips out his Gorn right there on the blue carpet. <laughs> so enough of my yakking. Let's get to it. Live long and prosper. Star Trek Discovery is here. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. Hey, everybody. We are here live on the blue carpet for the Star Trek Discovery world premiere. Oh, my God. I'm here in Los Angeles, California. I see before my very own eyes palm trees. They're not made out of, out of plastic. They're real live palm trees and more exciting in, in about literally three hours, two hours and 56 minutes. I am going to see with my own very eyes the first ever episode of Star Trek Discovery with the fans. I'm seeing uh, some fans. There's a lot of cosplayers here, some of them in Discovery costume, which is pretty cool. Uh, here at the Arclight Cinema in the Cinema Dome, the Cinerama Dome, which, uh, you know, was uh, built just in time for 2001 A Space Odyssey. I'm not 100% sure on that, right? They built the dome for 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? Nah, nobody cares. Right. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so this is very exciting. I don't know exactly who we're going to be speaking with tonight. I'm standing here uh, uh, on the blue carpet, and um, later this evening, stars uh, of the new show, uh, stars of some of our past shows, some of our old friends are going to be here, and, um, you know, writers, producers, d uh, directors, choreographers, wranglers, you name it, they're all going to be here. Uh, and inside the dome, I, there's uh, the, the, what is it called? The crazy suit that the Klingons use? I don't know. I haven't seen the show yet. The Torchbearer. Right. Don't forget the mycologist. Yeah. Oh, and, and the, you know what I found out today? The character that Anthony Rapp plays, Anthony Stamets, is a real guy. And his name is Paul Stamets. Paul Stamets. And the real Paul Stamets is going to be here. Maybe we'll talk to him about fungus. I don't know. So dig that. It's going to be really great. 
And uh, even if we don't talk to anybody, I'm going to talk to you. And it's going to be nice. And everybody, I'm in L.A. All the women are wearing you know, nice gowns and stuff. It's kind of funny because it's, you know, we're, it seems very uh, glamorous here at the premiere. We're like a block away from a Jack in the Box and a Popeye's fried chicken. It's not that glamorous, but it's still pretty great here in L.A. Uh, it's a hell of a town. There's traffic. They're going to be holding up traffic. There are fans across the street. There's police barricades, big lights, men in suits walking around. It's exciting times. So stick with this because pretty soon, who knows, magic is going to happen. And then we're going to see the first two episodes. And I'm also not going to talk about it. The review on Engage is going to be uh, on Monday. And this is going up on Friday just to because you're already like salivating like oh my god I can't wait to can't wait to hit play on my CBS all access well you're just gonna have to wait a few more days um, but uh, be that as it may it's oh this <laughs> there's somebody who's dressed like Baylock Baylock just showed up ladies and gentlemen how about that Baylock is with the Alachi species which is great she's like Alachi speeches is like, get me the hell away from Baylock. Oh, this is a fun time. I'm recognizing a lot of faces from the, uh, the uh, Vegas convention also, which is really a lot of fun. This is going to be a big party, and I've got my, uh, my seats. <laughs> I'm not going to interview the Alachi species. Oh, my God, the Alachi species is here, She's making her over. first, her big debut on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. How you doing? Wonderful. Oh, wait, now we know what you sound like. I'm so excited to be on the Engage podcast. All right, that's very exciting. Which was that? <laughs> the Universal Translator was working. Woo! All right, and where are you sitting? Am I sitting with you? Are you in row Q? No, I'm further up. You're further up? I'm yeah. in the back? Yeah. I'm with the fans. You are. That's and the place to be, with right. the fans. And you're down there with the, with the aliens. Yeah. All right, awesome. Okay, we'll see you in there. Yeah. Okay, we're here with Sinequa Martin-Green, the star of the show. Hello. Now we can all go home. We met you. Yay. Welcome to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Thank and you so much. this must feel like you've been keeping a secret in for a year and a half. And it finally, does. It does feel like the secret is like it's finally out of the can. <laughs> the can is open. Here, here we go. We can talk about this and share it together. What's the thing that you're most excited to talk about with the fans once they finally get a chance to see this thing? Honestly, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about the story. You know, we've had to talk about a lot of things and and sort of like tiptoe around it because we don't want to tease it or spoil it. But I'm really excited to talk about the story because I think it's really courageous. The costumes are cool, the props are cool, but it's not about just that. No, I, I think that it's about all of it, honestly. I think that everybody's coming together. Everybody is doing their absolute best, going to the far reaches of their craft and making something beautiful. Because everybody's got equal share in the story, right? That's every department in front of and behind the camera. And so it's, it's actually each person giving 100%. It's not like you get 2%, you get, three, you get 20. It's not that it's each of us gives 100, and then all of that comes together, and it makes a million percent. <laughs> you know, I've talked to a lot of the Star Trek actors from previous shows, and they always talk about how long days, long nights, long weeks, long months, they said the show nearly killed them. You seem to have a lot of energy. Is it like that for you also? Is, it, is this like a, I mean, you've done other gigs. Is this like 10 times the amount of, of uh, effort you got to put into it, or is that just a, a myth? Well, um, it is long hours, and it is a lot of effort. I am not a The fans are here. They're excited. What? Terry Farrell is here is what it is. I'm not a stranger. <clears throat> I'm not a stranger to the hard work that it takes, but, but it, it is a lot. It is a lot of hard work. Um, it's a lot of pressure um, to get things done in the time they need to get done because it's such a Goliath of a show to do. But we're doing it. What was it like to have that pass literally torched, to be there with Bill Shatner on oh that Oh my gosh. <laughs> Phenomenal. With, with William Shatner and then also Nichelle Nichols, who I've been, I've been looking forward to meeting her for a long time. And to have them both look at us and say congratulations and say enjoy it. And to have Nichelle say it's yours now. What? Was that the first time you met her just now? That was the first time I met her in person. Whoa. We've only spoken online. Yeah, because she graciously reached out to me right after I got the job. And um, I was finally able to respond to her because I, I, was, uh, I, was, on, I was sworn to secrecy at the time. But it was so the I worst kept secret in Hollywood that you had to keep. <laughs> but yeah, we finally met face to face. 
we didn't get to this in Toronto. Okay. The name Michael. Yes. What was your reaction when they said you're going to play a character named Michael? I actually really appreciated it. I loved it. Um, it came from Brian Fuller. Um, he has. It was a stylistic choice of his because um, a lot of his uh, female leads have male names, and then wanted to continue with that. And then we incorporated into the story. Um, I did that. I was named after my biological father, which is amazing and a sort of political statement in itself because I think it speaks to the gender fluidity of the future because a, a girl can be named after her dad or a son after his mother in the future. So. Shows tend to run four, five, six, seven years. How daunting or exciting or both is that for you? It is exciting. I think it's exciting. I think we, both, we, I think we all wanted to live long and prosper. So I think it's exciting. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a question everybody asks, but do you have a favorite episode of one of the older ones you've seen? One that really, really stuck with yeah, you? I love the, I love TOS. I really do. And I would say my favorite episode, as of now, you can change, you can change. Right? and I haven't seen every single thing yet, although I'm trying, is Journey to Babel. Oh, yeah. Good call. A lot of cool aliens in that yes. one. Sarah and Amanda, too. Yeah, my mama and daddy. So. Thank you. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. so much. Great meeting you. Be well. Hi, Mary Jordan Hoff. We met in Las Vegas. It's good to see you. Are you, uh, have you practiced your Klingon for tonight? I mean, will there be a triumphant kapla at the end of this evening? Or the, I will have, we, I think Ken and I will have lots of Klingon words to say at the end Crashing. of this evening. It's good to see you again. Ken, Ken how are you? Good to see you. Oh, that's an awesome tie. It's an enterprise tie. A custom, custom made from Etsy. Yeah. I wanted to get a Birds of Prey one, but... We'll go with the Federation. Next year, next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be amazing. I saw you when you first came on. The fans who are dressed up down yeah. there were screaming your names. Yeah. They haven't seen the show yet. Yeah. It's perhaps a little uh, social media presence. <laughs> or, yeah. That'll do it. I really, I mean, it is that's the beautiful, humbling thing about this franchise is that the fans are so welcoming and it's so much about building that family. And I think, you know, for both of us, it's been about continuing that. And we are tall. Yeah. We are tall. We are so tall. they see you. So we stick like, out. Those are the Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> how, ah, yes. how great is it to, like, to be around your colleagues and co-workers, but not in makeup? Because normally when you see them, you're underneath all the... Uh... I think some of our co-workers are seeing us for the first time. Yeah. And yeah, certainly for me, it's like, oh, you can clean up. <laughs> yeah. You know, I saw a moment ago there was a, a group photo with everybody and Nichelle Nichols and William Shatner were there. I mean, that's that's a keeper of a photograph, wouldn't you say? I feel like he was giving us his blessing. Yeah. And it felt really, it really good. Felt, yeah, very holy. He didn't have to come. He doesn't need to be here. He's a, he's not a young man and he's got places to be. And uh... I, I'm, I think we're privileged that he was here. Yeah, absolute privilege. And I think it's, it's, again, a testament to what this show is about, which is about hope for the future. Yeah. The fact that he supports something that is continuing a legacy he started. Yeah, they and, and a family. We're yeah. a family now. Yeah. And we all need to support each other. Absolutely. Well, you know, the fans are going to be watching every week and analyzing every moment, and we'll be discussing it and analyzing it. And when we love it, we'll support you. And when we don't like it, you'll be hearing from us also. That's the other side of the coin about Star Trek fans. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for feedback, Ken? Yeah, we, we <laughs> I not necessarily enjoy it, but we have to accept it. Yeah. And I just, the most important thing is there's conversation. That's diplomatic. Mary, nobody's going to say anything negative. You're going to eat, you're going to chew them up if anybody dares say anything negative about you. I can tell. That, yes. I mean, that my cover story is different, but that's the truth. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations Thank again. You. I'm so glad you guys stopped by. We'll see you in there. Hi, I'm Jordan Hoffman. Hi, I'm Heather Keenan. <laughs> it's very nice to meet you. So this is a big deal because, uh, you know, day one, you've been cooking on this for how long have you personally been working on, on tonight? I think we first spoke to Brian Fuller. It'll be, I feel like, two years in December. A really long time. That's a long a time. Nine months, I think. That's like a long time, and it's kind of like keeping a secret. It's like you have something really cool you want to tell people, and and you you can't do it because you gotta wait for the big night. Well, and for TV, it's a long time because we're also all used to in TV, you develop it, you shoot it, you make it, it's on the air. So this especially has been an extra long process. It's true. A lot of shows, you hear people say, "Oh, eh, it gets good in season two. 
can't do that on Star Trek. You got to be swift out of the gate, right? I don't know if you can do that at all anymore, right? Like, I feel like when someone says to me, oh, no, no, just watch six episodes, my reaction is six Who has six hours before it's going to get good? I definitely feel like we... We went out of our way to hopefully from the beginning engage people visually and dramatically, and I guess we'll find out. Awesome. Can you tell me personally, I mean, what is your favorite little thing that we're going to see tonight? Won't be a spoiler because uh, we're going to be seeing it. Uh, sure. My favorite thing. So my favorite thing in the first two episodes. Oh, that is so hard. We get these questions. I'm like, I wish I had it ahead of time so I could have a really good answer. I guess I feel like Sonequa, because in the first two episodes, I mean, I, I didn't watch Walking Dead, but I didn't see it either. who she was, because they were looking for a diverse actress to play this role, and I think people are going to be blown away by her. Well, I'm so excited, and she, I haven't talked to her yet, but she looks fantastic tonight, and you look fantastic tonight also. Congratulations, a big night for you, I'm so excited, and we'll be talking again, because uh, we have a lot of hours to fill in the podcast, so we'll... we'll Next time you're in New York, we'll get together. How does that sound? We're shooting a show there right now, so we actually do come there. All right. My people will talk to your people. I love it. Okay, nice to meet you. Bye. All right, that was uh, Heather K. Din, I believe her name was. And I'm standing about three and a half inches away from William Shatner, who's talking to my colleague Ian Spelling. So I am going to very very slyly just kind of inch my microphone over there. I don't want to I don't want to intrude, but I also don't want to not talk to William Shatner. You know how that goes. So let's see, let's see what happens, Brian. How did you enjoy meeting this young cast? I mean, this was you 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, under the, glare, under the glare of lights is a little a little imposing. But is it exciting to meet yeah, the yeah. next generation? It's a, it's exciting to be part of an opening night to realize that that uh, all the years that people have spent doing this and uh, spending the money and whole careers are, are based on the success of this, it's really, uh, it's really tough. Last question. If they call you and say, come be on the show, how open are you to at least the idea of that? Not very, but that's an opening position. We call them negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Phil. My wife, all right, that was a that was an eavesdropped interview with the one and only William Shatner. I'm so close to him right now. You have no idea. I know it, I don't know how it sounds on the audio. I could lean over and kiss his ear if I wanted to, and believe me, part of me wants to. Yeah, hi Doug. I'm Jordan Hoffman. I do the uh, Star Trek podcast, and I just saw you in, in Shape of Water in Toronto. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's 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 so good. I had an interview with Guillermo yesterday. I'm so I'm so excited about that too. This is a good year for Doug. This is a good year for Doug Jones. You're um, 57. I didn't see this coming. Yeah. yeah. Do you want people to know what you look like, or do you kind of like hiding behind all these makeups? And I, I, right. I, I'm at a place now. Like I said, I'm 57. I've been through 30 years of acting career. Uh, I, I've had I've had moments like this. I've had moments where I'm at Starbucks and nobody knows who I am, and I've enjoyed both. So, uh, you know, when it's announced who I am and why I'm there, I, I can do I can uh, do the celebrity thing, and that, that's great fun. But I don't count on it. It's not who I am. It's, uh, uh, when I'm at Starbucks having my mocha, uh, uh, then I uh, and talking to a friend in peace. That's that's me too. Yeah. Now, people tonight are going to discover what the Kelpian yeah. is. Yes. So. This is not going to run till afterwards. So what excited you most about what people are going to see tonight? Um, well, I, I think as, as aliens on the show have gone before, they've often been humans in a makeup, often. Uh, I, they, they gave me footwear that will not let me walk like a human. I, I kind of have my hips thrown forward because my boots are very high-heeled. It's like a hoof foot, like an animal hoof. So I'm up on the balls of my feet. With, it's a balancing act. And to keep my balance, I have to put my hips a little forward. And they're celebrating how skinny I am. I mean, these Starfleet uniforms are tight as spray-on glue, right? So, uh, so and, and there's no padding. There's no 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 body enhancements, muscle suits. I've worn all that stuff over the years. Or they, they bulk me up a little bit somewhere. No, I'm skinny from head to toe. And I'm actually loving it because this is, I get to finally see, hey, world. This is what Doug Jones is shaped like, which is much like an alien, by the way. And uh, so we're kind of celebrating that, and I'm very happy about that. Do you remember 
when you first saw Star Trek? When did Star Trek first come oh, yeah. into your head? Uh, I, I was born in 1960. So 1966, when it's airing on network television in its first run, I was watching it with my family. Wow. So uh, it's been a part of my life ever since I can remember now, really, right. Yeah. And uh, do, do you have a favorite episode from the early days? I mean, uh, I think it was the Tribbles because they were so. I was young and that was fun, and they were fuzzy, and I would want to sleep with one, you know, in my bed, like, <laughs> oh, oh, baby, yeah. like a teddy bear. Uh, but I'll tell you, a favorite Star Trek moment, though, for me, Spock was my probably my favorite character because he was the tall, lanky one, and I can relate to that. Uh, it was in the one of the movies, and I can't remember which which of the JJ movies where. Uh, young Spock, old Spock, come face to face. Oh yeah, the first one. Oh, the goosebumps! Shut up, oh, right? God, yeah. yeah, no, I was beside myself. So, but going back to the triple thing, we know there's a triple in the new show. Well, uh, yes, uh, and I, I don't know how much we we show or give away about that. I, I don't know. Is it in the first episode? Because if it is, we can talk about it. Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware. I, I, no, let's ask no. It this week. Did you get to interact with the triple? No, uh, I haven't really interacted. I've been in the same room with uh, with one. <laughs> This just but, in. But I, Doug right. Jones has been in the room of the triples. They're not. Did you fulfill the dream? I know. Man? I know. Did you fulfill the dream. Yeah, but I found out unfortunately they're not big conversationalists. <laughs> so, so there's that. Very they good. just squeak. They just so, squeak. If there's an action figure, and it's going to have all these movable parts and yeah. shoes and things like that, yeah, yeah. how do they handle that? Well, because my arms swing the wrong way for, for most action figures I, when I walk. So I'm, I'm, that's going to be a, a hinging job for the toy makers that I'm, I'm excited to see how they pull that off. Uh, and, you know, I also I should mention that the Kelpian race, um, we are the hunted, the, uh, the eaten, the herded on my planet. I'm, I'm a prey species. So I'm the first of my kind to break away from that go through Starfleet Academy and become a high-ranking officer on a starship. So that's kind of a big deal for my kind. Yeah, yeah. It's so excited. I'm so excited to see this. You have no idea. You have no idea. I haven't seen anything yet. It's nice my first night, too. So. Awesome. All right, well, listen, we'll talk a lot again over the years, I'm sure. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Good to see you guys. All right. Thank you. Congrats. Break a life. Be well. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. Hey, how are you? We're here on the official Star Trek podcast. I, I like it. Star Trek.com podcast official. Great. I love it. So uh, what is the thing you are most excited about having this audience see tonight? Oh, you know, that's, that's, an, that's actually an interesting question or difficult question to answer. Like, there's so many different ideals and ideas that go on into making this show that I'm, I'm hoping that people just are able to put themselves in the world and accept that we've taken it to this place that we've taken it to and we are paying I think the right kind of homage to the show and what the show is and should be and yet also taking it to a new place as well. Is it a little overwhelming that there's 50 years of Star Trek ahead of you or, I, or behind you or next to you? or? Well actually isn't it ahead because we're 10 years prior so it's like all the Star Trek there is no history before us in the Star Trek universe right? We're we're the earliest? Isn't that? Well isn't technically that, right? that is not 100% accurate. I don't there talk are about some... the Kelvin timeline. I don't talk about the Kelvin timeline because I, I don't know when that happens. Like, did that really happen? You know, know as an actor, happens. you have to be in the moment. No, that's that's that's. that's don't worry about the past. That's true. That's true. But you can think about how you're going to affect the future, right? So. So how daunting though is it to take something that's so well known? You want to pay homage to it, right? But you also want to create something brand spanking new. It's, how do you go about? That? So it's difficult. It's difficult. Like I, I I did a good amount of research and listening to like which themes. I listen to all the themes, frankly, you know, because that's part of our world and part of the universe. And what, what I came to for our main title theme was the importance was to go back to the beginning. And what I really want to do, and I, and I, I, I posed this question to the, um, to the producers. I was like, look, you know, I know we want to write a new theme and I want to do that, but I really feel like I need to tip my hat 
to Alexander Courage's original theme. And not the middle part, which is, you know, the main part of it, but the big sort of emotional moment that happens during that during that theme, which is that, you know, the big fanfare. Da 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 da. And so when I talked to them about that, Alex Kurtzman, who's the main producer, said, absolutely 100 percent do that. So starting from like there, I sort of worked backwards. How can I fit that in and how is that going to work? And I wanted to make the middle sound a little more modern, a little more like what we might do today in a movie, but not be like the movies, not be like our Star Trek movies. So it was actually kind of a difficult thing to sit there and do it. And I wrote a lot and I wrote and rewrote and then threw stuff out and then I came back to it. And, you know, finally I wrote something and, and, and sent to them and they, they loved it. What was that first day like when you had the entire orchestra there? <laughs> Just that first note where you say, let's go. Well... You know, that was, that was definitely a, a thrilling watershed moment in my life because I'm such a huge Star Trek fan and I have been since I was a kid. And, you know, I said it to the, to the orchestra even. I said if I could go back to when I was 12 and tell that 12-year-old, when you're 48, you're going to actually be writing a new theme for a new Star Trek and conducting an orchestra, I would have, been, I would have told myself to, you know... <laughs> take a hike no way that's gonna happen it was really incredible it's really amazing well there is sort of like a like a sniff test you have to like find a kid that has like a model ship and play the music and see if he can run, around, can the run around the room yeah. I haven't tried that yet but I should try that I have my I have my eight-year-old son I haven't he's heard it and he loves it and he has really gotten into that kind of uh, filmmaking so I'm gonna try that I'm gonna All play right. for him and be like okay here's the Here's the USS Enterprise. I'm going to give them the Enterprise because right. so far there isn't a Discovery yet. Um, or not a model. Not that sure. I've seen, except for the one on set, I imagine. Borrow that for the night. I could. I'm going to call somebody. I think I can probably call somebody and get get borrow it. And I'm going to give it to them and see, run around, see if you can run around. Blast it outside. See what happens. That's a good idea. Talks about Easter eggs in the show. You're going to see Tribbles. We're going to see this. Do you do musical cue Easter eggs? For example, when you have, I don't know, Harry Mudd. So, do you have a cue for... So I, I've... I've Written a, I've written a couple of things for Harry Mudd. I have not, however, gone back to the original Harry Mudd for a number of reasons. One, in our world, it actually hasn't happened yet. So I can't backwards, I can't go to the future, take a theme and bring it back to the past. Um, so I did something different. Now, our Mudd is a little different than the Mudd that you remember from the original series. And you'll, you'll see that Rain Wilson plays him, and he plays him with with a little bit, oh, it's Captain Lorca. Um, he plays, plays it with a little bit of, with a little bit of irony, and, but, but also a little bit of darkness, um, which is interesting for our show. And I think that's how we play it into it. So I didn't do that, but occasionally I will give a little nod to Alexander Courage or a little nod to um, this or a little nod to that. Mostly it sounds. We have a little Vulcan thing that I've nodded to some of the harp playing that, um, that Spock did. Um, occasionally I'll do that. Yeah. You're welcome. That's so cool. It's a liar, by the way, not a heart, but that's okay. It's okay, totally yes, fine. Right. Totally it is fine. a liar. It is a liar. I, I wasn't about to try to get all. No, no, it's okay. It's still early days here. By this time next year, you'll have it all done. I, I will. I will. I will. That's right. Congratulations, though. It's very exciting. Thank it's you, big man. night. We're very, very excited. Noises and feelings. I'm, it's not really processing logically right now. It's just I can just viscerally feel everything. It's kind of great. I mean, you feel like an animal. It's good. Well, I mean, that's sort of probably what it's like when you're being transported or something. You know, I mean, they say your your molecules, yeah, uh, molecules, noises, and then just appear somewhere. You know, we haven't seen the show yet, but do you go through the transporter yourself? Uh, on yeah. I mean, that's not a spoiler. That's, that's just a spoiler. That's yes. It's like basic tech. That's like asking somebody now, do you use a refrigerator? Yes. So how awesome was that when you got to stand on a transporter for the first? It's incredible. It's pretty, it's pretty weird because you're sort of pretending. So it's just, <laughs> you know, you're not actually transporting. So it's kind of weird. It's a kind of weird acting. It's actually one of the hardest things to act. Just the, the look of, you know, it's, it's just very weird. Of like, all right, now stand there and now pretend that you're going somewhere. Oh, you're here. And it's, it's like a... Been one of the top secret ones yeah. as this has gone along. How ready are you for people to finally see who and what you are? So ready. I want them to see it. I just want them to see the show. I want them to. I want them to see my journey. I think it's a really interesting character. I think people. I hope people are going to love it. I've enjoyed performing it and playing it. So, yeah. What's been the biggest surprise about the experience so far for you? Biggest surprise. Um, Is it the fans? Is it I think it's the fans, the scale of it, you know, the history of it. I didn't really realize before it was something I grew up with watching on TV. And then when you're in it, 
yeah, you start to realize the, the, the weight it has and, and, and the importance, and it's, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I enjoy it. Do they let you wear the costumes home? Do they what? Do they let you wear the costumes home? They don't, but I've stolen a few things, but don't tell them. <laughs> tell them tell them in about three weeks, because right. I because then it's okay. Right, because before you got to go back. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Great All right, thanks a lot. Have a great night. Be well. Hi. Hi, how are you? Yes, that'd be awesome. So that was, we just, uh, Brian, that was uh, Shazad Latif, who we just spoke to. Oh, and here's Cadet Tilly. Yeah, how's it going? I'm Jordan. I'm from the official Star Trek podcast. Oh, wow, how's it going? I'm so excited. I'm pretty sure my boyfriend listens to you guys. Oh, really? Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Well, you know, it's very exciting because, you know, I try to follow the Star Trek news as it's coming up, and I didn't know about your character until the first teaser trailer. I'm like, wait, who's that? Go back for .08 seconds. There's a person there. I want to know more about her. So, so who is that woman laying on a bed? What's going on? So now we get to know a little bit about this woman. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a cadet at Starfleet Academy. I'm in my fourth year, and I was assigned to Starship Discovery by ha happenstance. I'm assigned to be roommates with Michael Burnham. Um, and yeah. Who just so happens to be the star of a major television show. I mean, my lucky day, both as an actor and as Tilly. Yeah. Very cool. Who's a bigger influence on who? Um, I mean... Probably Michael is a bigger influence on Tilly than Tilly is a Michael, but I think that they do have a symbiotic relationship, and um, like any good friendship, you, you give and you take. How much fun is it to play kind of the excitable rookie who is soaking all this in? Oh my god, it's so, it's so great, and I get to live so close to my own experience, which makes it really easy. Some crazy sci-fi things happens, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so cool, and that's how it feels, and um, luckily I have really warm, wonderful, capable people around me that, like, make that even better. That you're one of the first people who gets to say, oh shit, or oh fuck, or something along those lines. Is that true? Well, so I haven't seen anything yet, so I don't really know, guys. We're going to talk after we see Okay, cool. Awesome. Thanks All right, thanks a bunch. Yes, very exciting. You are on the Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. I, I'm so excited. It's my first Star Trek podcast ever. All right. Well, your first of, of many visits, I hope. And uh, is everything done? I mean, come on. You've got another half hour. Is there something that needs to be tweaked? Or You mean in terms of this one? No, we're done here. But we're like, we're, we're about to start shooting the last episode of the season, which is very exciting. So you're flying back to Toronto tomorrow? Uh, I'm not flying back to Toronto because we're still working on the script and I'm cutting. So I'm cutting and mixing. You need to be three places at once, is what you're telling me. Three places you at once. You directed this season too, correct? I did, I did not direct not. this season. No, no, no. Uh, do you want to? I will. I'll, direct, I'll for sure direct next season. But this season has honestly been about overseeing the, the post process on the show is insane. I mean, it's it's you can't compare it to any other show I've ever done because it has the level of visual effects that any massive movie would have, and. It, though, that kind of approach requires an incredible attention to detail daily. It isn't just about, hey, here's an idea for a visual effects shot. It's about, let me see it. Let's see it again. How do we keep refining it? How do we make it better? Is the color right? Is it believable? Does your eye believe it? And it's just a constant process. So I, well, I mean, they're, sh they're showing it at the Cinerama Dome. That's a no joke of a location for sci-fi also. I mean, did you have that in the back of your head that this was going to show one day in a, in a theater like this? I never could have imagined that we would have shown it at the Cinerama Dome. We definitely set out to blur the line between television and movies, and so which television is doing now anyway. So in building this universe and this version of Trek, I wanted it to feel like, we all wanted it to feel like a massive cinematic experience. People have huge expectations. You're familiar with huge expectations from pretty much everything you've worked on. How, how does that affect what you do, or can you not let it? I'd be lying if I said it didn't affect things. Of course, we are aware of it, but part of part of what you have to do is you have to listen to it. You have to you have to interpret it and say what is it that people are expecting? Are we going to deliver? Are we going to surprise in the right way? Are we going to give them what's both familiar and and unexpected? I think that's that tends to be that tends to be the best sort of experience that I have as an audience and ultimately 
I have to, we all have to ask ourselves how we would feel as audience members watching this. What do we want from this? Um, it's a room of Trek fans, like in a really intense way. So there's daily debates about every micro choice, both when it comes to story, when it comes to the design of the show, the details, you know, which verse are we in? Are we, you know, too close to the movies? Are we too close to the original series? Should we be somewhere in between? There's all these questions, and uh, and they're essential questions. Um, I don't think it's a, high expectations are not a reason not to do something, you know? In a show that's about boldly going, I think we have to boldly go right into that, and hopefully people will come along with us. Can you tell us a little bit about um, Berg and Harbarts, who are who are the buck stops with them? They're they're in charge, so to speak. Um, and a lot of the fans aren't too familiar with their stuff. This is sort of their big debut tonight. What's it like working with them? Tell the fans a little bit about about their their lives a little bit. Mysterious people that they are. They're really wonderful people. Uh, they're wonderful people, and they're wonderful writers. They're character writers first, and. The fact that they were less familiar with Trek was not a deterrent. Uh, in fact, when we did the movies, JJ was, when we started, the one who was least familiar with Trek. And in, in so many ways, that was one of the best and key ingredients of those movies because he brought an objectivity to it while still respecting the fandom. And Gretchen and Aaron couldn't respect the fandom more uh, they have become fans, as anybody who lives in the world of Star Trek inevitably does. Um, they, they are wonderful leaders. Uh, they engage with the Trek community in a really, in a really good way. Um, they're very willing to be told, no, you can't do that. That's a canon violation. And they never put their foot down in the wrong way about that kind of thing. That being said, you want to push on the edges of it in the right way so that, as I said, you're delivering both what's expected, but you're also surprising the audience. And they're great at that. Yeah, yeah guys. Listen, thanks again, and good luck tonight, and we'll be in touch. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank you so much. It can use the largest cinematic grammar to tell the smallest of Star Trek stories. That the character story is very particular, and that, unlike what is typical in TV and in Star Trek's past, your experience of what our show is about at the beginning of the night will be significantly different than it is at the end. And um, then it's going to end tonight with me just unaccepting that I have to wait a week to watch episode three. Especially because I directed episode three, so that you have to wait for it seems unfair. How many episodes did you direct? Out of uh, the, I directed episode three, and I'm directing the season finale right now. We're in prep. I flew wow. in for the day. Wow, I flew in for the day. Okay, well, all right. Actually, I mean, everybody's got to go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to go. All right, they, they're taking you away. But uh, we're, we're old friends now. Yes, we are in, indeed, and you'll tell me what you thought. I will. I'll send you an email, and we'll be in touch. All right, good luck tonight, my friends. We'll see you on the next one. Be well. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, that was Akiva Goldsman, and I apologize that I didn't press record until about a minute into that. But um, that's why you're a magician in the editing room. Uh, when the uh, when you when you read the script for the first time, you hear, "Oh, there's a character. Doug Jones is going to play it. He's kind of a weird alien." Is that just like, yes, finally fulfillment? More than you know, both Glenn and I have longed to work with Doug, and. Well, he wasn't, it, 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 we, we actually knew before they did, right? Because we read yeah. their role and then we started pushing for Doug. Oh, really? So, yeah. oh, oh, absolutely, because we worked with him before. And so we started saying, you really got to read this guy. Like, this guy's the right guy for this. And he's done so much suit performance. And um, it, it was a long process. We, we probably started mentioning it, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, three months or something before. Because we started working with Fuller before we really were at a script phase, right? So it was like uh, almost a year and a half ago, January, February 16, it's the first sort of beginnings of the nascent conversations of just what, what it would be. And we knew that there was this character. And so we're very pumped to have Doug involved. When is your job done on a particular thing that you've done? Is it when you've done the sketch and you hand it off to the people making it? Is it when it's on the set and the actor is comfortable in it? Is it tonight? 
we, we make absolutely everything. We, we, we run everything that's happening on set, so we've got to get it up to Toronto, get it on, and every day involved heavily in, you know, not only what's happening on set on that day, but what we need from the next episode, what's coming a few episodes down the road. So it's, it's never ending. It has not ended since those first conversations no. with Brian in January of 16. So we've been on this, this, this season of this show longer than I was on uh, the last two Hunger Film games combined. The Hunger Games films, I think, combined were maybe a, a little over here. We've been on this longer, and it's much bigger than, uh, in terms of effects work than that. So it's massive. You know, I think when people see the Klingons for the first time on the sarcophagus ship, when we really see the Klingons speaking Klingon in their wardrobe on their ship, that's going to be the moment that everything clicks for, for, for us, at least. I think that's the, the big ooh that you're looking for. Do you agree? Awesome. I, do. I do. Well, in terms of involvement, we're there every step of the way, but one of the things that goes on for me as a concept designer, there's digital characters as well. So the digital side of things can go on until, well, as far as you can possibly push it. So I'm still involved with digital probably for the next few months. Wow. Yeah. Right up until the last episode. You are in Starfleet. By the time that's over, it's endless. <laughs> it's true. But that's not a complaint. Being immersed in the universe 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is a dream of mine since I was a child. So um, there will be no part of this for hopefully seven or more seasons that we're going, oh, geez, more. Like you just, this is what we've always wanted to do. So being this this immersed in this franchise is incredibly important. Well, it's really cool that you're creating new aliens and, and new looks for some of the pre-existing aliens. But what were some of your favorites? When you were younger, when you were watching Star Trek, what were some of the designs that you just went, oh my God, maybe it wasn't an alien, maybe it was a ship, it was a piece of a prop or something. What was it like, ah, oh, Star Trek is so cool. Well, original series, you know, you have things that are kind of just, uh, some of it was literally whatever they could grab off the shelf that pre-existed, right? To make a turnaround on an episode. And um, of course, everyone's going to agree, the gore on them we got to. And, and so I love all of that, the old Wah Chang stuff. But for me, it's next gen, you know, like, Klingons like Gowron and, and storylines like in Ascension and stuff with Worf and, and House Duras, like those are my favorite moments in all of canon. You just got Goron's autograph, didn't you? I did. When we were in <laughs> Vegas, I totally geeked out because Gowron was there and I went up and got his autograph and like freaked out. I, you know, I've never met him out of makeup, but he's got such a distinct look that he, from across the room, I think the fans weren't really in the convention all yet, and I went, Oh my God, that's Gowron! I ran over and got his autograph. Oh, no kidding. That would be awesome. How, how much Klingon have you learned? Last question. How much Klingon have you picked up? Not enough. Never enough. No, not till we're fluent. Thank you, guys. All right, listen, guys. Have a great night. Thank you. Very exciting. Be well. See you again. Take care. Good seeing you again. Nice seeing you. Both principled women, but the journey is just very different. Uh, okay, uh, we're here with Kirsten Beyer, back, big night finally after all this time. What is going through your head right now? 19 months later, it's totally <laughs> surreal, but I'm also so excited for people to finally see this. Um, I think I think they're going to be blown away. I really, really do. What do you think people will be most surprised by or most appreciative of? How current it actually feels while at the same time totally being Star Trek set in the 23rd century. And how tricky was it to get that on paper and then onto the stage? Incredibly. I mean, because it's not just one person's idea of it, right? It's 10 people's idea of how to And But at the end of the day, the best, the strongest ideas always seem to kind of rise and, and end up surviving the process that is the creation of television, which is so very strange. Um, and, and now, especially having seen it all come together, um, I, I am so proud of what we did, and I just I can't wait for you to see it. Now, you're involved in every episode, but I know at least one has your name on it. So how exciting is that, and give us a sense of that episode. I know you can't discuss it in any detail, but if you had to say at its core, it's about. Uh, at its core, it's about uh, communication and the desire to be known for what you really are. And um, it is, a, I'm not the only person saying this, 
um, it is really classic old school track in a lot of ways, which was super fun to do. So, and I got it. It, it uh, seriously features Sidiqua, Doug, and Shazad. So um, the three, the four of us, got pretty close over that two-week period. We spent a lot of time crying and holding each other because it was it was difficult and challenging. But um, yeah, I'm so so proud of it. It's also very unusual for the writer to be on the set. Is it? Often on shows, the writers are not I've, on the set. I've heard it goes both ways, yeah. On some shows, because a lot of the writers that are in our room have worked on other shows where they got to go to set. Some they didn't get to go, so it just kind of varies. I didn't know until like three days before I left town that I was going to go. I was under the assumption that I wasn't. Um, and then they said, hey, get on a plane, go to Toronto. So I, I rushed up there, and it was an incredibly immersive experience, right? It's these amazing long days, and you just throw yourself in, and you go with all of it. Um, I got to meet uh, John Scott, who was our director. I had never worked with him before, and he is a lovely and incredibly brilliant man. Um, the entire crew, I couldn't get over it. Um, when you were on the set that day, did you wait till everybody else was gone and kind of walk around alone when nobody was looking? And walk around alone? Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> and I was told not to take pictures, and of course, I mean, like, my phone probably confiscated. I mean, yeah, like, no. It, is it in here? It's, no. <laughs> um, so, no, actually, it's all been downloaded at this point. It's not even, but no, it, um, I didn't do any of that. It, um, I did, I spent a lot of time walking around. Things like the plaque on the bridge that I actually had to help design and like put all the names together for to finally see it in real life and to see my name. Like, it was just like, like you just, you can't. It's, I have waited 20 years for that moment and just the sitting in the chair, watching the for the first time a scene roll where they were speaking my words. It was it was too much, and then it was and then it just got better from there. Like seriously, there were times when I was up there, and I know this sounds strange, where I wondered if I had died, and this was me living my personal version of heaven. I seriously felt that way. As hard as the work was, as much as I've missed my husband and my daughter, it was like nothing else I've ever done in my life. How how proud are you right now, the man behind the woman who's uh, I've met now a few times? This uh, let's hear from you. What your name is? Oh, I'm David. <laughs> Come on, David. How proud are you right now? I can't even put it into words. She has gone from one into the other. It's the, the it's just amazing. It's the, one of the greatest things that's ever happened, and I'm so proud of her. She is she's wonderful. This is very this is very sweet. I'm I'm there's a group hug moment. This is very very. I'm so happy for you guys because I know that you, as as I've told you before, you sort of represent a lot of the fans, hardcore, long-term fans being involved in this and that's a uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown it's a big responsibility but i think i think you're you're handling it well so congratulations on tonight thank you and thanks for all your support i mean you've been with thank us you. too for the last year it's been you guys. awesome you got it so well, we'll talk you. again have fun tonight okay, all right hey how are you sir i'm good sir we're here with ted and ted come on this is a dream come true right a hundred percent a dream come true if you told me that things that i help write and produce would be projected in the Cinerama Dome? <laughs> Come on! Did they build this for 2001 A Space Odyssey? Or? That is what I have heard. Um, I wouldn't put it past it that that's true, but I would also say that that might be a little murky. It, it sounds too good to be true, but for the purposes of tonight and for Star Trek... It was built for Star Trek. <laughs> that's even better than yeah, 2001. It was built for Star Trek. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited. Is, uh, is Jason Gorn here tonight? Jason Gorn is absolutely <laughs> oh, here tonight. Awesome. Wait, let me take a photo. Let me, we're going to, on the on the uh, podcast itself, I'm going to take a photo of, uh, are you going to take a photo of me taking I was a photo? Gonna, I was going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Very wait, meta. Let's Very, hold, hold it up again. Very meta. All right, that's great. Awesome. We're in Very business. Meta. Well, listen, go in there and knock them dead, Thanks. and we'll talk. Congratulations again. All right, folks, I hope you're as pumped as I am. Just to let you know, right after that, um, that chat, there were a couple of people still milling about. Uh, Jason Isaacs was there, and I was thinking I could talk to him, but I was so excited that I was just like, because the thing was about to start. And a lot of the other people that were, like, recording on the blue carpet, like people from, like, Entertainment Tonight or whatever, you know, they were just going to cover the thing, and then they were getting back in their cars and going home. I wanted to go inside. So I'm like, forget this, I got to go. So I ran inside and uh, got a seat. And it was funny, I actually got to sit down next to a total stranger. It turned out that she and I were Twitter friends, and that was kind of funny. Um, and uh, on the way in, I saw Nicholas Meyer, 
uh, Robert Picardo and um, uh, uh, Q, uh, John Delancey. And um, it's very gratifying because Picardo I've interviewed a number of times, and he recognized me before I recognized him. And he's like, hello. So I gave him a big hug, and um, they were not—they were just like standing there. They were like hanging out right there on the corner, the three of them. And Delancey was there. He's so tall. I forget how tall John <laughs> Delancey is. And Delancey I've met uh, uh, one and a half times. Well, the half time I met him was very briefly, but one time I really did meet him, and he was like, ah, yes, I remember you. And that was great. Uh, Nick Meyer I have met before. He had no idea who I was, but that's fine. Um, and uh, then I ran in, and then I, it was just great. They had... Um, uh, you know, they they had brought in uh, all the props and the, uh, you know, the big, uh, the torchbearer thing, which you'll know more about when you watch the show. So uh, they made it look nice in the arc light. Uh, and then the show started. And so you say the show started. What did you think? Engage listeners. Tune in in a few days. You'll hear uh, my recap with a uh, friend of the podcast, Adam Drozen, who's a wonderful man. And he's been on the podcast before where we sort of in, a, in the afterglow talked about the show in a, in a babbling way, and that was for episodes one and two. Starting with episode three, it'll be me and Brian cutting it, cutting it every week with um, uh, perhaps a special guest here and there. I don't know that we need too many special guests. Brian, you're special enough. Yes, I am. <laughs> That's what they tell you, anyhow. <laughs> I am a special boy. Uh, so uh, it's, it's exciting times. We got uh, 15 shows uh, with a break in between, we're going to analyze, we'll go deep, we'll talk about connections to the old stuff, we'll talk about theories. Uh, it's Star Trek, and it's back, and um, I hope you love it. So let's, let's say goodnight for now, and we'll see you in two days. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.